0: Welcome to the QAA's Membership Podcast. In this episode, we continue to talk about QAA's Collaborative Enhancement Project on making the language of assessment inclusive. The project is led by the University of West of England in partnership with University of Brighton, University of Hertfordshire, and University of Greenwich. The first part of the podcast explored the project's overarching objectives key drivers informing the project, the how of the project looking at the methodology, and the idea of mysterious quotients related to the terms and phrases used in assessment. In this, the second part of the podcast, we continue to speak to our students to know about their experience of working in partnership with staff and fellow students. We will hear from Nicole from the University of West of England, Dorothy from University of Hertfordshire, and Jason from University of Brighton. And as we continue these conversations, our staff speakers, Laura and Kathy from University of West of England, and Marvell from the University of Hertfordshire will share their experience of working with students. would like to sort of bring in our, our student partners uh, in, in, in this discussion and I would like to sort of, um, you know, know about their experience of working in partnership with, with staff and uh, fellow students. So, Nicole, coming to you first, uh, in what ways adopting the staff-student partnership approach uh, did benefit the uh, project? What has been your experience so far?
1: Thank you. Um, I think the main thing for me has been in terms of benefits has been that um, we as students can kind of provide maybe uh, input that, that fills in gaps that staff might have um, or may have missed um, from the student perspective. Um, for for whatever reason, you know, we can kind of go, oh, actually, there's this this idea about um, what it's like to be a student and or maybe this about about the student experience. And then on the sort of flip side of that, almost staff can then provide their own expertise on what it's like to actually be involved in a research project. You know, a lot of the staff on this project have done lots of research before. um, And so it's really nice to kind of have that support network to kind of reach out like, oh, I didn't understand this particular piece of jargon or what's the best way to to go about doing an analysis of this type of data. And so I have that kind of, um, yeah, support network of almost other other people who have done this before because I'm very, you know, new to this whole thing. So I can have those people that I can talk to and and ask for advice. And that's been really, really helpful for me to to learn basically on the job um, a lot of the time. So that's kind of been my experience kind of filling in each other's maybe blind spots and things or things that we didn't know.
0: Fabulous. That's from a student perspective, from a staff perspective. How's the partnership really benefited the project?
2: Um, It's been great. I've been lucky because um, the Academic Practice Directorate has always had student partners, certainly for the last few years. So I've been lucky enough to have had Nicole and um, other student partners working with me from the start of the project. And I think they've got a huge contribution to make. So um, Nicole and Ni, who was our other partner last year and actually is on the project again this year, they did some of the first drafts of the ethics documentation, so they were involved right from the start, and they took part in the conversations that I mentioned earlier about selecting the words that should go into the survey, so they had the student voice um, represented there. and I think the other thing is around um, giving students who are participants in the project um, a, a, an under, a an opportunity to feel that they can speak freely and so our intention is that um the student research partners are going to run the student focus groups so that the students don't feel intimidated sitting talking to members of staff it's around that power power dynamic isn't it in research so they won't hopefully feel too intimidated about talking about what they find difficult around interpreting assessment tasks and feedback and that's actually coming up later this week um, students are going to be doing that so it's been fun. Fantastic. And it's, as Nicole says, it's filling in the gaps from each other's experience.
0: Brilliant. So that was really insightful to be listening to both student and the staff side of things. Now, at the heart of the Collaborative Enhancement Project lies the fact that it is the collaboration. But... I would, I would like to know a little bit more on what was what, the experience of developing a cross-institutional partnership? What kind of challenges did you face? And, and, and perhaps some reflections on how those were managed to build that successful partnership that is at the heart of this project. So if we can come back to you again, Nicole.
1: Yep, thank you very much. Um so yeah, I think one of the, the big challenges um that that was there was to get that ethical approval that we mentioned briefly Laura mentioned before. Um you know, each institution, as is the nature of things, have different things that they can do or can't do or can get ethical approval for or can't get ethical approval for, um, you know, different software that had been declared safe for each institution. So, you know, some places can use Qualtrics, for example, some places couldn't, some places could use, um, you know, various um, uh things that you can do on teams and other institutions had it grayed out or blocked off for whatever reason. So to try and kind of find that balance and be able to say, okay, so, you know, so-and-so you can use Qualtrics and -and so-and-so you can use some other, um, software. Um, you know, it was a case of kind of communicating and making sure that we were all on the same page before we then started actually making the materials for whatever, um, you know whatever we decided we were going to use going forward, we had to figure that out before we could actually start doing the work. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of kind of back and forth of oh, actually we can't use this, or maybe we could use this, and so a lot of lot of discussions near the beginning trying to get all of that together and sorted.
0: No, definitely ethics can be a bit of a tricky one there. Um, so thank you for that. Um, if I may bring you into the conversation, Marvel, what is? Would you like to share some reflections? Uh, on your experience of this project?
3: Yes, sure. Um, I think as as Nicole said, the the whole aspect around trying to get ethics sorted with, between the different institutions um, was challenging because of the different things that different setups that we actually have. Um, but it was, it was also things like we have we've got different term times so that also meant that there was a challenge in terms of dates that were set then needed to be reset to be reorganized and that led to a little bit of delays in terms of sort of things that we needed to do because you also had to get reports written in at certain points for qa as well so that kind of led to a number of challenges as well um i think also in terms of in terms of working together as as a group, there was something about building confidence and building trust between ourselves in terms of the type of information, what information we shared, and actually feeling that you know the process of what we were going through was transparent, that we felt that we needed to feel that we could all have our part to play, be able to um have conversations with each other that were frank and that were open and honest. Um, and I think. Really, to feel like an equal partner in the process was a really important part of the collaboration. So, although you know Ue is the lead as the lead HTi, it was really important that the other three HTis felt that they were equal partners in that process. Being able to take part in decision making, being able to share their own views, being able to put ideas together, and sharing those, and and that really came down to good chairmanship. I mean, it was really important to feel that you had a process in which you had a chair that allowed for that open space, that allowed for that those conversations to take place. Um, and I think that really greatly assisted the way that we could all work together and felt that they were that we were actually partners within that process. And I think the chair, you know, Laura, Laura is the chair. Um, I think did a really grand job in just making sure that. We all could speak freely, that it was it was important that we could um that we're able to bring particular issues to the table, have those resolved and, and discussed. And that's meant a real liberation of being able to work in that collaborative way. And I think is is a very good example of how SHEs, although we've got our own issues that we've got to Deal with in terms of, in terms of what's seen as legal issues to deal with, sharing of intelligence, etc. But that can all that can all be addressed really well through the way that you can work together, be be seen to be you know, having a good lead, but also feeling that you are an equal partner. And I think for us at University of Hertfordshire, we can't wait to see the toolkit that we then put together um, from this project. That um, you know something that we could be using as an organisation.
0: I wonder, Nicole, uh, from your perspective, what is your experience uh, on on working on this project?
1: For me, the main thing that I've kind of gotten out of this, um, working on this project, is it's been a really good opportunity to get some experience of research, um, which I'm a PhD student, so I know that going forward, um, that's going to be really, really helpful to have that experience to be able to say, yes, I have research experience. I've done these projects and here's the output and all of that sort of thing. Um, and also getting to try out different kind of approaches and skills, almost like with stabilizers on your first learning to ride a bike, you know, you get that feedback and you have the support network that I mentioned before um, that you can kind of speak to and you can keep improving and seeing where where things take you, you know, you can try different, different things out and see what happens. Um, you know, I know I'd never run a focus group before, for example, and I'm about to do that later this week. So it's kind of a thing of yeah, getting to try these new things and learning these new skills that I can then take forward into my career, sort of post PhD. Um, has been the main thing for me.
0: Brilliant. And continuing on that line of thought, Dorothy, what has been your experience like? Uh, I'm really enjoying working on this project. I'm only a final year student, so that makes it even more valuable to have this opportunity to use the skills I learned in my university course and then use them outside of the classroom. And it feels amazing to contribute to this project that will hopefully make a difference for students that are anxious or struggle with assessment terms. So I'm just very grateful for this opportunity to get this uh, real life experience of research what's better than using skills in classroom and and outside classroom. And this takes me to Jason. Would you like to share your reflections on your experience?
2: Yeah, thank you. Um, So as a PhD student, you can perhaps feel slightly on your own or slightly isolated with the sort of decision-making processes as part of a research project. So personally, I've really enjoyed working as part of a a research team uh, at the University of Brighton, sort of uh, sharing ideas and and perspectives on on, on the project. But um, that kind of collaborative process as well has been really, really, like, enlightening and a really enjoyable experience as well, Um, contributing to discussions on um, the research design and the research process. And I think in particular, learning from uh, senior members of staff and being treated on that kind of equal like playing field as well, that equal level has been a yeah, really, really great experience.
0: That is that is really good to hear, Jason. And and of course, from yourselves, Nicole and Dorothy, like your experience is invaluable uh, given this this um, project and the ethos of this project and kind of focusing on the partnership approach. Um of course, as we sort of inch towards the end of this 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 podcast, you know, we've we've spoken about um the drivers of the project what has been the methodology the 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 opportunities and the challenges but I think at this point it would be useful to bring in Kathy back again to to share with us you know how do you envision the project would be of value to colleagues in the sector in other words what are your hopes for the intended impact uh, of the of the output from this
4: When we did the surveys, we consciously chose to focus on confidence as one of the measures, which is why all of our questions were phrased around. Confidence, because we all know that's how we achieve our best is when we feel confident. Um, So one of our hopes for this is that it will support really confident learning communities to come together with a a sense of common purpose, and that all of the individuals in those learning communities, staff and students alike, feel confident to ask clarity for what is is expected of them um, and make sure that they all understand what's going on. And part of confidence building is about creating space for somebody to say, I'm not confident, Um, And likewise, it's about validating somebody saying, oh, I think I might need some clarity here. And that's where we hope the mysterious quotient might help because it could provide a framework where it is okay for somebody to say, actually, I just need to check that um, I know what is asked of me here because it's it's a term which is known to potentially be a source of confusion and I think the cross-university collaboration in that really helps to do that because now staff and students alike it's not me and my context and me that's got a problem with this it's known across the sector that if you're doing something which requires you to synthesize reflect the the more problems troublesome languages, then we're validating people saying, okay, well, let's seek some clarity then. So that's what we're hoping the Mysterious Quotient can help us do, to start conversations, to shine a light on the things which should be interrogated and should be explained a little bit more so that we overcome the assumptions maybe that people think everybody knows what's going on and we think we're speaking a common language when maybe we're not. So what we really would hope that this project does is to develop an infrastructure and resources to to support colleagues and students to come together with meaningful dialogues in the assessment space to generate that clarity and clear sense of of common purpose and hopefully shine a light on that fog and start burning it away.
0: Brilliant. Thanks, uh, thanks a lot to that, uh, for, for that, Kathy, and, and thank you uh, to all our speakers and listeners for joining us today to unravel the mystery of the mysterious quotients in assessment and really and truly making that effort towards making the language of assessment inclusive. As mentioned at the top of the podcast, if you would like to find out more about the QAA's collaborative enhancement projects or to access any of our published resources, simply visit us at qaa.ac.uk. Thank you. Over and out.